Good to see you. Good to see you online here this morning. Glad you're with us. You know, if, um, if you're online this morning, why don't you just take a moment and comment with us, whether you're on Facebook or on, um, or on our website or on YouTube. Would you just connect with us? Here's, here's something that we all need to come to grips with and embrace, and it's this. I am blessed. Would you say that with me in here? I am we are blessed, Tom. Huh? When we talk about the goodness of God, that's not just a song. That's reality for us. We are blessed people. And if you're online, would you just take a moment and comment? Just put right in there, I am blessed. And, and um, you know, you don't have to put your whole story in there. But we all know today, as every other day, we're blessed. We're blessed by a good God who takes care of us and watches over us and meets our needs. And I'm telling you, I just was about in tears in the back watching, watching people that I know are going through heartache and hurt and challenges, singing from the depths of their soul um, the goodness of God. His goodness is running after me. And that just, that really does my heart good. He is good all the time. And so praise him for that. We're blessed, amen? Amen, yeah. Hey, why don't we do one other thing together, and that's why don't we connect together for a moment. Would you grab um, connection cards if you're in the house here? Uh, they're in the seat right in front of you, and if you're online, they're digital, where you can find your connection card on whatever platform you're on. And let's just connect together for a couple moments. I would love to know that you are here, if you would fill one out, whether for you or for your family. If you have a prayer item that you would like us to pray for, please put that on there. Um, there are a few things while you're filling that out. This is Missions Month. It's Missions Month, and we really want to be able to care for some strategic missions ministries that we have and, um, and you'll notice another one that we're highlighting. Last week, we highlighted Finish Line Ministries. And this week, we are highlighting the Hildebrand's Fellow Pastor Orphanage. And this is really significant. Folks, we really have tried, our missions team has tried to target ministries that are on front lines that are really hitting major needs and these are things that we're asking our ministry to give generously to during the month of September. And um, some of these ministry needs have come and increased significantly due to COVID issues. And if we would, let's go ahead and, and give specially during the month of September. You would need to specially know any gifts uh, to the missions month whether online, there is a tab online, or if you're in-house, do note them specifically as you put them in our giving boxes. But let's give here the missions month. Also, we have a number of fall ministries going on. They have just started for some, and others are coming up this week. I don't have the time to go through all of them, but I do know even next week we have some of our fall equipping classes starting up during this first hour. And then also um, we have a grief share and a divorce care and our Awana cranking up. And, um, and then in October, we're also looking at our hearts for God. So a number of things coming up. So there are brochures that are back at the hub. Make sure that you grab them and uh, we'll look forward to to checking that out together. See what may connect with your needs and jump into one of those. Small groups are also going to be cranking up soon too. Baptism by the Bay in two weeks. Can we do something together about that? Can we pray for an unusual warmth <laughs> that day, September 27th? That would be great, wouldn't it? Oh man, I'm praying for that. It'll be at 2 p.m., and um, so we'll have our regular services here, and then at 2 p.m., we're going to go over to Bayside Park. That's going to be such a treat. I believe we have somewhere around 10 or 12 baptismal candidates, and in the second hour at 11 o'clock, if you're a baptismal candidate, uh, there's going to be um, a special baptismal class for you in 
room 201, which is at the end of the hall over here and uh, in that room. So that's what we got for you. Hey, grab your Bible. And I know you're thinking we're going to Hebrews. Well, today we're going to Genesis 14. Genesis 14, a little detour for us. But it's going to make sense in just a moment. You know, we've heard twice in Hebrews already that Jesus is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, I already have screwed up two times today and said Malachi. And if I do, you just go ahead. You know who I'm talking about, though, right? You know I'm talking about Melchizedek if I do screw up the name. But in Hebrews, there's been two times it's mentioned that Jesus is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And here's one of the big questions, like, who's Melchizedek? You know, who is this guy? Where did he come from? What did he do? And that's why we're going to go back to the very beginning, the only narrative in the Bible about Melchizedek, and it's in Genesis 14. So if you're using your device, you just plug in Genesis 14, maybe type in NIV because that's what I'm reading out of here this morning. Uh, for those of you who have a copy of the Bible, it is the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And this is the only biblical narrative of Melchizedek, and it encompasses three short verses. This guy comes out of nowhere, he says something to Abram, and then he just disappears into nowhere. We have no idea where he came from, we have no idea where he went to, and, and it is mysterious, there is speculation, but it's also rich, and it's rewarding to read his conversation with Abram. Now, we don't know a whole lot about the man, but what we do know is valuable and more than worthy of our discussion this morning. And as we finish up our time in just a little bit, as we work through this today, we're going to see a very special lesson, and here's what it is. Don't let this pass you by. This is the big lesson from the discussion of Malachi and Abram that we see this morning. And this is what it is. Blessed people bless God and bless others. Blessed people bless God and bless others. Now, we've already talked about it. You've already said it. I am blessed. We're blessed, right? We're blessed people. Blessed people bless God and bless others. So as you're arriving there in Genesis 14, here's what is leading up to the chapter. And I'm not sure how familiar you are with the narrative leading up to Genesis 14. There's some complexities to it. So let's just, let's just build up to it. Stick with me if you would. I think it's, um, it's going to help us in our understanding of the whole thing. God called Abram from, uh, from when he was 75 years old. He was in a well-established homestead land of Ur. And God said at 75, when Abram was 75, go to this land I'm going to show you. And God made three promises with him. God says, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you your own land. I'm going to give you descendants, innumerable descendants. And then thirdly, all nations of the world would be blessed through you. These are the promises God made to Abram. When Abram was 75, and so Abram got up from his land the land of Ur, from his well-established position there. And he started out for this land that was not yet his with descendants that he didn't yet even have a child. And somehow that all nations of the world would be blessed through him, and he had no idea how that would happen. Now, a few other things for context. On this journey... He brought all of his servants, he brought all of his oxen, his cattle, everything, and he also brought his nephew, Lot. And so as they were on this journey to this new land, 
his nephew Lot, his Lot's servants and Abram's servants got in a feud over their cattle and where they were going to be. And so in this fight, Lot and Abram come together and they say, how are we going to figure this thing out? Because it's becoming an issue between us. And so Abram said, why don't you go ahead? We can't stay together. Why don't we go ahead and, and part ways? You pick whichever land you want to be in here, and I'll take the other one. And so Lot goes and chooses the beautiful watered land that's actually facing historic Sodom. And then left Abram with this other land that wasn't well watered and groomed and wouldn't be as profitable for the cattle and then not only that, there were four kings in the area. Here's their names that we find out in Genesis 14. There were four kings, Amraphel, Arioch, Karorlamer, and Tidal. These four kings were dominating the area. And for 12 years, they ruled over five kings in that region. The five kings... And their armies began to become tired of being dominated by the four kings. The five kings' names were, are you ready for this? Bera, king of Sodom. Bersha, king of Gomorrah. Shinab, king of Adma. Shemabur, of Zeboim. And Zoar, king of Bela. Some future baby names for you young families out there. So after the four big kings had just defeated another group of lands around them, these five kings said, let's go take them on. We're tired of being subject to these four kings. Let's see if we can take them on and defeat them. And here's what happens. Check this out. Genesis 14, 8 through 12. So the five kings want to take on the four, starting at verse 8. And I'm going to have to say these names all over again. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Seboim, and the king of Bela, which is Zor, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Siddim against Kedorlaomer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goyim, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elisar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits. And when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into the tar pits, and the rest fled into the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their food, then they went their way. And here's the biggie, verse 12. They also carried off Abram's nephew, Lot, and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. So are you with this? I know there's a lot of narrative here, but it's all going to make sense in just a moment. So the five kings are like, we're tired of this. We're tired of the rule of the four. Let's take them on. Let's see if we can win. And the five took on the four, and they got spanked. They got royally spanked, and they turned and retreated, but the four snagged all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah, including many of the people, of which was Lot. And Lot was Abram's nephew. Now look at verse 13 and 14. A man who had escaped came and reported this to Abram, the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre, the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. Verse 14. When Abram heard this, that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. 
Now this is crazy talk. Abram, 318 helpers and friends, allies with him, Mamre, Eshcol, and Aner, were going to take on these four kings and all their armies. Now, I don't know if this is clicking with you. This is crazy. 318 is less than our COVID attendance with our two services. Taking on four kings and four armies. And it says he pursued them. Now let me just build this up. This is bigger than a David and Goliath moment. This is bigger than a walk around the walls of Jericho moment. This is bigger, if you're not connecting with that, with the 1980 miracle on ice moment. You put in whatever underdog situation this is absolutely insane abram had no business going after these four kings and their skilled armies their armies were wiping everyone out they were undefeated no losses no ties only wins and impressive wins at that and Abram grabs his 318 trained guys from his household and his three buddies and pursues the four kings and their armies. And you're just thinking, what in the world is going to happen? Well, look at verse 15 and 16. Verse 15. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them Check this out. And he routed them. If I could have written the scriptures, this was a good old-fashioned hiney whooping. That's what that was. And now guess who's running? He routed them, pursuing them. So they were running, the four kings and their armies, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. Like they took off running for their lives and they kept chasing after them. And then along with that, he recovered all the goods, brought back his relative lot and all his possessions together with the women and all the other people. That's absolutely crazy. <laughs> there was no contest. Abram and his buddies and his 318 trained men did more than the five kings and all their armies and all the other armies could do before. And the king of Sodom was going to come out and meet Abram in the valley of Shiva the king's valley, and here's where our Melchizedek moment begins. Here's where the mysterious Melchizedek steps in. And right before the king of Sodom steps in to talk to Abram, Melchizedek comes out to Abram in the only narrative surrounding him. It covers three verses. It's shrouded with mystery and speculation and a powerful message that resonated with Abram, and here's where it is, verses 18 through 20. Check this out. So the king of Sodom is just about to come out to Abram to talk to him. Verse 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. Now keep that slide up there for a moment. I'm going to get to it. I'm, I'm going to mention to you, people wonder who this guy is. I know Pastor Jonathan talked about this 
maybe a month ago and touched on who Melchizedek is. And there's differing views on Melchizedek. Now I'm going to tell you, here's where the speculation comes in, because Melchizedek's name means king of righteousness. And then as well, he is a priest of the Most High God. So he's a king of righteousness, and he's a priest. And that's why Hebrews says he's like Jesus, both king and priest. Now, did you see? Did you see what he brought out? What did he bring to Abram? He brought two things. He brought what? And bread and wine. Now, you think that brings some speculation, huh? Bread and wine? This is, this is pre-everything. He brings bread and wine, and people are like, what? What could that mean? Tons of speculation here. Now, he's a priest, not in the line of Levi. He's a king of righteousness. We have no idea his beginning or ending. This is what Hebrews says, and we're going to talk about it more next week. And so some people speculate, did Jesus make an early entrance into Genesis? They call these a Christophanies. Is this an early entrance? Did Jesus make an appearance? I'm just going to give you my personal thought on this. People can differ on this and still go to heaven. I just want you to know that. And the good thing is when we all get there, we'll be perfect, so we won't be saying, I told you so. There are other Old Testament passages where Jesus appeared pre-incarnate. He appeared pre-birth. And it's described differently than here and how it's discussed in Hebrews. We'll chat about it more next week, but I believe Melchizedek is a type or picture of Jesus. It's very mysterious. There's a lot of speculation. If I had to land one side or another, I would probably say he's a type or a picture of most likely not Jesus himself. Although, if I got to heaven and Jesus said, Brian, you blew it. That was me. It wouldn't offend my theology at all. That's where I land. We'll talk about it next week. Let's stay on the verse. Here's what he said to Abram. He blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram, by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. That's it. That's it for Melchizedek. He blessed Abram. He shared some things about God. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. I need to move along through these a little bit so we have time to look at ourselves and what God wants us to learn. But there are three lessons from Melchizedek. He kind of preaches a mini message. And here's what they are. I want to give you three things. Let me give them to you in rapid succession here. Three things from Melchizedek. Number one... Melchizedek tells Abram, number one, Abram, you are blessed by God. You're blessed by God. There's a phrase that just sticks right out. Blessed be Abram. <coughs> blessed be Abram by God most high. Now, up to this point, Abram could have wondered about it. And I don't know if you've been here at this stage in Abram's life. 
think we all probably have. Abram was 75 when he left his land. And up to this victory, there were a lot of promises, but not a lot of product. Think about it. He left his land. All that had happened to him since the promises of God. No land. No kids. No blessing to the world through him. He left his home. He experienced a regional famine. He had to relocate to Egypt. He feared for his life. Because his wife was beautiful. And so he lied to Pharaoh about his wife. He had a family fight with his nephew Lot. His nephew picked the choice land and left him with the lesser land. And then there were four kings that conquered all the surrounding land and captured Lot and Lot's belongings. This was not necessarily What we would look at and say, man, that is a blessed life. Abram, you are blessed. Have you ever had those times when someone says to you, or maybe some crazy preacher stands up front and says, you are blessed. And you're sitting in the pew, or you're looking at that person that says that, and you're like, really? You don't know my life. You don't know what I'm going through. What do you mean I'm blessed? You don't know what I've lost. You don't know how I hurt. You don't know how I struggle. I want you to know something about Abram's blessings. God never said that you're blessed so everything will go perfectly for you. But he's blessing so that the product, the outcome of your life will be a land which he never governed. Innumerable descendants, which he never saw those. And the whole world would be blessed through him, through this coming Messiah, Jesus, which he never witnessed. You know, most of Abram's blessings were in the future. They were in a promise. They were in a legacy, not in experiencing a trouble-free life. He had blessings for sure, but the main ones, the big ones, the huge promises were future. And he was blessed. Can I give you a couple phrases right now that some of us need to embrace this morning? Let me give you this one. Don't let what you don't have ruin what you do have. Don't let what you don't have ruin what you do have. Is that connecting? Are we on the same page here? When when you think about that, oftentimes we look at all this. You know what? I don't have the nice car. I don't have the beautiful house. I don't have all the money that I would like to have. My job isn't what I would want You know, my relationships aren't this. You know, and you go through the line, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And I think that's one of the worst things we could do is just to count all of what we don't have because we start to miss everything that God has blessed us with. i got another phrase for you. Counting your blessings takes you from stressed to blessed. 
from stressed to blessed, if you count what God has given you, it takes you from your focus of what you don't have to what you do have from stress to bless. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you know your sins are forgiven, that you're accepted by God eternally, that he's with you and will never, ever leave you, he'll never turn his back on you, you're blessed, folks. I'm blessed. Amen? I mean, it's a reality. It's, it's truth. And I know some people say, Pastor, my life is hard. I know. You're blessed. I've got no money. I believe the scriptures show that you're blessed. Your future is looking awesome. You've got things to thank God for even right now. Home and family and health and memories and church and pets and meals and mobility and Jesus and victory and eternity in heaven. We are blessed. Crazy blessed. So Melchizedek says to Abram, you're blessed by God. And boy, we got to keep trucking. Here's number two. He said, God made all there is. So Melchizedek said, Abram, you're blessed by God, who's the creator of it all. Creator of heaven, creator of earth. I mean, Psalm 100 says it this way. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We didn't make ourselves. Another psalm says, the earth is the Lord's and everything is it. Melchizedek gives the ultimate recalibration. Look at everything. God made it all. Look at everything around you. Nothing you have is sourced in yourself. Nothing you have is sourced in another person. Everything you have is sourced in God, the creator of everything. We're not self-made. Our possessions are not self-developed. Everything we see, everything we have is ultimately God's. And if you've got it, he made it. God made all there is. And then he, he gives a third declaration in verse 20. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hands and his third part of his mini message to Abram is your victory came from God. Your victory came from God. Not only is all the world created by God, Abram's possessions from God are from him, but so also are Abram's accomplishments are from God. And I think it's pretty obvious this battle of 318 going up against four kings and their armies had to be a pretty big supernatural win. And Melchizedek said it plainly, you had no business winning this thing except that God gave it to you. So Melchizedek comes on the scene out of nowhere and tells Abram, you're blessed. God made all that you have and God also gave you all your accomplishments God deserves all the credit for your life period I want to turn this personal I'm not Melchizedek but I can tell you today if you're a believer in Jesus Christ you're blessed there are eternal promises for you because of Jesus that can never, ever be taken away. No matter what God has in this world for you, there are irrevocable promises of God. God's the source of all you have. He's the reason for all your accomplishments. He deserves all the credit for our lives. 
And there's going to be a day when we see our eternal promises come to pass. And we stand on the other side, and I believe this with all my heart. We're going to see everything that God gives us on the other side, and we're going to look at our issues from today, and our issues from today are going to be flecks of dust in comparison to the riches of God on the other side. And with jaws dropped, and with minds gawked, at the outrageous, over-the-top blessings of God that he gives us just as he promised. We will bow down, we will worship him, we will shout, we will sing. I mean, everything within us will celebrate God's goodness to us like we have never, ever imagined before. Well, Abraham had three visible responses to Melchizedek's message and God's blessing, and this is where we're going to end. Folks, this is is the prime time right here. This is where we need to be. So Abraham heard the message, and now it's, it's time. Abram, time to walk the aisle, bro. It's time to respond to what you just heard. So what is he going to do? I'm going to give you three things. And these three things he does, we need to do. Okay, these are things we need to do. So let's jot them down. Let's mark them down. If you're online, it's time to, it's time to put them down, maybe in your computer or your phone or whatever you got right there. These are the things we need to do, just like Abram did. This is our response along with his. Number one, and I'm going to put them in phrases These are beautiful. Because you notice at the end of verse 20, after Abram gave that mini-message, or after Melchizedek gave the mini-message to Abram, it says, then Abram gave him, gave to Melchizedek a tenth of everything. A tenth of everything. And here's the phrase. Blessed people bless God. Blessed people bless God. Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The priests of the Most High God. Abram just laid it right out in a tenth, a tithe. And blessed people think of turning their blessing back to God. Blessed people understand where it came from in the first place and return it right back in the same direction. And whatever he gives us, we need to give it back. Whatever it is, whether it's finances, whether it's abilities, whether it's time, it's the natural response of the one blessed to return thanks and bless the one who has blessed us. Blessed people bless God. Would you say that with me? Blessed people, that's just what blessed people should do. We return it back to him. We give him a portion of what he's given us. And some people say, pastor, is it a tenth? Is that what it should be? And I really believe that the New Testament talks about giving back in accordance with the measure of grace he has given us. And truthfully, I think we give to God of our time, of our talents, of our resources, of our finances, of whatever he's given us as much as we can because he's blessed us beyond what we deserve Bless people, bless God. Here's number two. Blessed people credit God for all they have. They don't steal the credit. Now this is an interesting exchange. Notice what happens. The king of Sodom shows up in verse 21. And he says to Abram, hey, give me the people, keep the goods for yourself. Now I love this exchange because guess what? 
The possessions no longer belonged to the king of Sodom. They were taken from him. Abram took him back. They don't belong to the king of Sodom, but Sodom is so generously, oh, you can keep that. It's not, it's not his to give away. But notice what Abram says to him in verse 22. Abram said to the king of Sodom, with raised hand, I swore an oath to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth. I will not accept anything belonging to you, not even a thread or strap of a sandal. Catch this phrase. So that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. Isn't that cool? You're not going to say I made Abram rich. Because God did it. You can keep your stuff. I don't want any of it. And blessed people give God credit for everything in their lives. It's a matter of giving credit to whom it's due. To us, not to us. But to your name be glory, to your name be praise. How important is it for us to not take credit for his work? But to make sure all know it's him. And do we give him that credit publicly? Do we deflect attention from us? Does everyone know that our lives, our possessions, our families, our homes, our jobs, our abilities are ultimately from him. Because blessed people credit God for all they have. And here's number three. Blessed people bless God. Blessed people credit God for all they have. Number three. Blessed people bless people. Blessed people bless people. Would you say that with me? Blessed people bless people. Notice what he does. Verse 24, I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Anner, to Eshgal, to Mamre, let them have their share. You know what? I don't want it, but these guys need to be taken care of. I want to bless others. That's what blessed people do. I'm not worried about me. I want to bless others. And he thought about others first. The last thing we see Abram do was to make sure that those who served with him were cared for out of the spoils. The only thing he would accept was what went to his guys and what went to his God. That's it. What Abram received from God, he used to bless God and bless others. I just want to tell you, as I studied this this week, Two things hit me. Number one, we've got some people that have been blessings to me and my family from in this place. And my family's grateful. Many of you know our story and what life has been like over three years. And it helps me and does my heart good that God has used many people. He's blessed you and you've been so kind. And we're, we're grateful. It's one thought that came to my heart. Thank you. 
And I'm not the best example for all of this. Other people are better examples. But when I was thinking of blessed people, blessed people, my wife and I had a special experience um, at Cracker Barrel. We went out on a date recently. Of course, one of my kids say, Cracker Barrel's for old people. I'm taking away their allowance. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, and I, I had another, two of my girls were looking on their phones. They were looking at one of their um, movie stars. I don't know if it's from an Avengers movie or something like that, and they're laughing. They're laughing, and they said, look at them. They're 50, and they're bald. And then they turned and looked at me, and I'm like, anyways. <laughs> We went to Cracker Barrel and um, because we've been blessed. My wife and I were sitting there on a date and there was a family that was sitting, you know, six feet away next to us and, and God was tugging on our hearts to pay their bill. And another part of the beauty of this is that, um, and I don't know how to say this in our politically correct world, but you know, they're African American. And in our racially charged day, I'm like, you know what? Someone needs to show love and be proactive. And I just wanted to do something. And so our waitress came over and, um, and I said, honey, um, to my wife, not the waitress. <laughs> well, this is going to get me in trouble, isn't it? And uh, I said, um, we, how about we take care of their bill? And we told the waitress. I said, and shh, you know, don't tell them who. And so the time came, and she was to go over and tell them and of course, we're sitting there acting nonchalant and listening, but um, talking. And um, you just talk about cool. We could hear her say something, and um, and the mom said, "Thank the Lord." And although my wife and I are trying to just keep natural. I'm like, yes, that's so cool. And the, the one son said, who did this, mom? Dad? And, and they're like, God took care of it. And I'm like, that's just what we want. And they got up and left. And our waitress came back, and this is something we weren't expecting. Our waitress was crying. And she said, you made my day too. Which just blew us away. And I learned a special lesson that day, and I think we both did. That blessed people who bless others are blessed in return. And that was just absolutely enriching. It was the easiest bill I've ever paid in my entire life. We're blessed, amen? We're all blessed. And blessed people bless God. And blessed people give him credit for all that they have. And blessed people bless others. And that's the lesson that Abram took away from Melchizedek's message. And I believe that's the message that God wants us to take away today. That's the message of Jesus Christ.
who gave himself for us freely, sacrificially on the cross so that we could be blessed with eternal life, with forgiveness of sin, with approval by God. That's the ultimate blessing. Would you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. God, would you continue to make us a blessing? We're so grateful for your blessing to us. And I know it's not in a problem-free world. But God, thank you for your eternal blessings. The ones that we still await to see on the other side. And Lord, help us in light of those blessings to be blessings to you. May we turn it to you. May we be quick to give to you all of who we are and what we have. Help us to meet the generous standards of you with how we give of our time and our abilities and our resources, talents. But God, help us to bless you. Help us to give you credit for all that you've done. And God, may we be blessings to others. Just as you've been to us. What a blessing that is. God, thank you for the short exchange of Melchizedek. For all that it teaches us. For the beautiful picture of Jesus. Continue to grow us, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ. And all of East Bay Calvary said, Amen. Be a blessing, folks. Be a blessing.